What's up, guys? Episode five, another one. We're back. Yo, we got a different setting. We got we got our first guest speaker today. I'm excited, Pastor Manny Pastor Rivera. Manny Rivera. Thank you so much for being here, man. Inspiration, no problem. a great person. Uh, I've been knowing him about two months now. About two months, yeah. Solid guy. Um, yeah, man. We're excited to have you, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Finally, <laughs> exactly. Um, last Sunday. Last Sunday, number one fan right here. Praise God. So usually, usually our setting is at my house, but because you, uh, we knew you were coming, we bought a bigger table. (laughs) Yeah, we bought this this table table just for you, bro. Just for you. Oh man, (laughs) you feel special, right? Yeah, you can't take it home though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know it's nice. This is the beginning of great things, man. This is how you do it. You're building. You're building your foundation. You're building what you are dreaming of and this is how you do it you gotta invest absolutely you gotta invest. i invested in myself i bought a mic last minute uh literally last minute <laughs> so i sold my and this is how serious it is i'm gonna share this i sold my ps4 yeah i sold my ps4 sold a wow. uh, old xbox that i had and a couple other things just to get another mic that invest is in yourself guys invest in yourself for real he made some tortas, took them to the flea market. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Was hustling out there just oh, for that one mic, man. Making that money, huh? Hey, you know, you got to go and get it somehow, man. You know what I'm saying? The tortas are fire, though. Don't sleep on them, bro. I'm telling you. Fire, my guy. Yo, Pastor man. Manny, thank you so much for being here. No we appreciate problem. you. It's a privilege. And, um, you know, we really want to know your story, man. Yeah. You know, I know I heard it, and, and I was t- talking to Angel. We're like, yo, we got to bring Pastor Manny, and I think you have a powerful story. Yes. And uh, maybe we can start by that, by, you know, you okay. sharing um, who you are and where you, yeah. where, where you grew up at and uh, where you're from. Um, Manny Rivera. My first name's Emmanuel Rivera. Everybody calls me Manny. I've been being called Manny since I was a kid. Um, born and raised on the northwest side of Chicago. Um, just um, 30. I just turned 39. I was gonna ask your days age. Ago. I was gonna ask your age, but you know, people get touchy with the age. Oh, you know man. what I'm saying? I'm blessed to be alive. Yo, I'm blessed to go. be here, and I'm Yo. glad to say that I'm 39 years old. There you go. Um, Not a lot of people can say that. And when you start getting into the 40s, they're like, you know, what I'm saying, I don't want to share nah, that. Nah. <laughs> I'm a dead man walking. I should have been dead a long time ago, but by the grace of God, He saved me and gave me a chance. So I celebrate every year, every birthday. It's uh, it's a praise report. Every birthday for me is is victory because I shouldn't have been here. That's great. You know I mean, and so praise, praise God. I get still a little embarrassed when people ask me my age. I'm getting old now. Yeah. So I hold you. I'm like, thirty two. <laughs> He's like, um, let me say uh, proud like thirty nine, <laughs> close to being forty. Da- I'm David, ready. David wants rain checks on his uh, what his age is. He's, yeah, I'll get back to you. All right. <laughs> you know what? Um, I gotta go. No, I was just gonna get into like uh. So tell me a little bit about your childhood, like your upbringing. Um, how how was that? Upbringing. Um, so being raised on the northwest side of Chicago, uh, we lived in different areas. From I remember when I was like five or six years old, we lived about ten minutes away from Humboldt Park. I remember our first uh, 
apartment where I have knowledge of where I can actually remember when I was five, six years old. We lived by Costner and Armitage. I uh, went to a school down the street that was called Nixon uh, Elementary School. And I remember it was the third floor. You know, we're low-income family. But at that time, I didn't know that we were low-income. Yeah. I just thought it was normal to live in that type of neighborhood and live in a house where the the back door, the porch, that door had a, a, a like a gate to it and we had to padlock it every time we went to bed. And then at the other door of the apartment, we had a big, huge piece of wood that will like keep the door in place so nobody will break in. Break in the front door? Yeah. yeah. And, and so you thought that was normal. I thought that was normal being <laughs> yeah. five, six years old, yeah. um, seeing that. And then I remember they broke into our apartment like three or four different times. Dang. And there was one particular time when they broke in, my mom had um, a rabbit piggy bank. And since we lived on the third floor, we had to go through the apartment and we're walking up the, the, the every floor. And I seen the piggy bank and it was empty. And I remember that was my mom's favorite piggy bank. So coming into the apartment, seeing everything trashed and being so young was like, well, this is always going to be this is going to be the norm for us. But growing up like that and then slowly we started moving out of the area, which, you know, we moved from there. We started slowly moving to a better neighborhood and a better neighborhood. But it was always in that vicinity, in that area, the northwest side of Chicago. It's, just, it's uh, I was gonna say, it's crazy to think about it like that, cause I remember a childhood too. At one point, I was like, we were sleeping in the car. Mm. And I remember those are like probably the best times of my life. It's crazy <laughs> to think about it, cause it's like you think like the times where it's tough and it's rough. That's when you're the most closest with your family. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. And that's what I was gonna say. How how are you with your how are you with your parents? Were you guys a close uh, family? Well, from what I remember in the beginning, um, once we started obviously bettering ourselves and moving into these different neighborhoods, um, family life was was okay. You know, I remember family dinners and going out, you know, every Friday was payday. So mom and dad um, would take us out to McDonald's or, you know, take us to restaurants, go to movies. Do- dollar though, right? She was like, only the oh, dollar, dollar menu. menu was not that... <laughs> That wasn't really a big thing back then. It was oh, more Happy Meals and stuff like that. Stuff like that. But um, I didn't see my stepdad raised me. Yeah. But I call him dad because he raised me when I was, since I was a baby. But I always do always thought that he was my father. Uh-huh. But then as I started growing up, I'm like, hold on, I don't look like this guy. I'm right. way taller than him. <laughs> he's he got, short. He's just short. He got different skin tone. And I and we have different last names. Is so he I would, uh, different ethnicity? Yeah. So my mom is Puerto Rican, and then my stepdad, well, my dad, um, he's Mexican. Uh-huh. Well, he passed on. He passed on 2018. Viva la raza. Orale. <laughs> <laughs> so um, biologically, like I'm full blooded Puerto Rican because my mom and then my biological father that I do now have a relationship with him, um, he's Puerto Rican. Uh-huh. But from the age one to fourteen, you know, I thought that. I was Mexican and Puerto Rican, but I still tell people that I'm both because yeah. I was raised with both cultures and I have utmost respect for Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. It's yeah. just my upbringing. Got to show, show respect. You like spicy food? 
Bro, I love it. Let's go. You're certified. You're I certified. That's it. Certified. I'm, I'm, How can you I'm, eat tacos with no salsa? Let's go, bro. Exactly. There you go. You gotta have. You gotta like, have the, like the other the day we were at David's house and 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 he uh he made a sandwich and he bust them jalapenos on that. This is a true Mexican sandwich right here. You gotta put the rajas on top, bro. Oh, that, bro without 100%. the rajas ain't nothing. You got you gotta put the Mexican flag first <laughs> on top of your fridge, right? <laughs> oh, oh, I I have a blanket, bro, with the Mexican flag. Come I on, do. bro. But then uh. We end up moving to close to the Brickyard Mall in that area in the northwest side. And I remember uh, my parents bought a house and everything was cool. But at the age of like 13 and 14, things started getting a little rough at home. My mom and dad started getting a lot of arguments. Then, you know, uh, mom wasn't really coming home that much anymore. Uh, from what we knew, you know, she had met somebody else. And it was just a lot of drama within the household. Um, I was seeing her being dropped off by another guy, and it was just a lot of like. How fights. old were you at that time? About thirteen, about fourteen years old. I remember uh, Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, we were all together, and there was a particular Thanksgiving where she cooked dinner for us. And she said, "All right, here's dinner. Have a good one." And then she left. And then for us, we're like, "All right, like, what's going on?" But seeing the whole concept of that being broken, and then finding out that 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 day where my mom told my dad, like, I don't want to be with you no more. I want a divorce. Um, but I can't just all blame my mom. It was just, it was at the time, I didn't know that they were having so many deep issues amongst themselves until I got way older where I started, you know, getting to know the story yeah. on both sides. I'm like, man, y'all just had issues. And, but for a long time, I blamed myself and I thought it was my fault that they got divorced. And that's what yeah. I was going to tell you. How did that affect you? Yeah. And, I blame myself. And how did, how did it shift you? You know what it I mean? It shifted me at the age of 14. That's like the whole turning point in my life took place because not only did my parents decide to get divorced, that's when I got the phone call. Yeah. The phone call from my biological father on yeah. my birthday. So at this time you thought that this dude was your father? My step that was my was my dad. Like that's my pops. That's but you, my dad. in your mind you're like this is my dad. That's my dad. I didn't I didn't know I had another father. Oh. How how was like when you got that phone call you're like your whole life like yeah. the end of the world because I'm now hearing this guy with a deep voice kind of like mine. I mean I didn't know my voice was that deep. <laughs> He's like, "Hello. Yo soy tu papá." And I'm like <laughs> Star Wars, yeah, <laughs> like, like Star, like exactly. Dark Vader for yeah, real, like, right? Manny, I am your father, and and I'm listening to the other side of this phone call. You know, back then it was on the cordless phones, right? You know what I'm saying? They don't have them now, but it had a cordless phone, and I'm like, clink, like, hello, and I'm your father. Happy birthday, and I'm like, uh, wait, what? what? Wait, I have a dad. What are you talking exactly? About, I'm like, man? who are you? He's like, I'm your father, and this and that, and I end up hanging the, the phone on him because I didn't, I didn't know how to act to it. I'm like, what's going on? I'm 14 years old, yeah. But at that age, I was, I was big for my age. I didn't look like I was fourteen, but that's when like everything's changing everything too. Changed, like man. you're going through it mentally, everything, body, you know? everything, yeah. growing. And I remember telling my mom, like, I got another father. Like, what's? Why didn't you tell me about him? And she didn't know what to say, and she kind of like started crying a little bit. And um, that's when that rebellion took place inside of me, where not only did she want a divorce from my stepdad. But then she kept my father from me, and that just pretty much put like a hatred like towards right. her. Like I have my stepdad that mm. I thought was my real dad. Now you guys are getting divorced, and then wait, I have another dad. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a that's that a has lot to for, be a for lot a fourteen year old. Yeah. yeah, and at that time, just grasping all that, telling her, she didn't know how to respond to it. 
which then from there everything just went downhill because it was just now she was just doing her own thing my dad was staying well, working third shift so she was like gone most of the day and so a lot of times my my, my it was me my younger brother and my younger sister um we spent a lot of nights on our own by ourselves yeah because so just, so you said rebellion how, mm-hmm. how did that um how can you explain that a little bit more yeah like, so rebellion set in where all right and it was more of rebelling against my mom uh-huh. you know i'm like okay you did this to us now i'm gonna get back at you you know you're wrong for what you did so that caused me to that's when you started, started getting, getting into involved. the gangs and i was stuff. about i was like in seventh eighth grade at the time when things started going downhill no actually i was a freshman in high school that's when uh um, I remember some guys from from grammar school that that I was cool with, and then I got a phone call, and then I started hanging out with them. And from where I stood, I ended up going closer to Humble Park, and I ended up uh, joining a gang in that vicinity, in that area. And uh, yeah, fourteen, it just like life went downhill. Um, and when you joined, like you you got your ins and all that, like you were. I got, I got a violation in uh-huh. in the gang, um, and just got at fourteen. At fourteen years old. That's that's kind of crazy. Like I was just just speaking, uh, thinking about your story, like what you're saying right now. It's always something that's done to you that kind of flips a switch in in Pushes a young you. man's mind. If you think about it, like yeah. you were fourteen, you you found out that you had a uh, like your biological father calls you. You're like, wait, what's going on? Your family's getting divorced. In your mind, I can only imagine, like, I got my homie right here. You know what I'm saying? He's like, bro, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, you feel that that sense of love. That family came in at the right time exactly. when I needed it. And, and, and the little little do you know, that's not the right family. No, it ain't. You know what I'm saying? And and you get caught up in that. It's just it's just crazy, like, how, how to think about, like, how one one thing can affect somebody to, to make a decision like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And so, so how deep do you... Did you uh, end up going in, in, in the gang? So life? by the time I joined the gang beforehand, I was always that kid in school that I was always getting in trouble. All the time getting suspended, all the time hanging out with the wrong people, doing, you know, smoking cigarettes and doing just the worst of the worst. I was always involved. And it's like I was that troubled kid even yeah. before the divorce took place. But then when the divorce took place, it was like it was that I thing. was already doing bad in yeah. school. But that was just like joining the gang was like now it's my release, my freedom to be as bad as I can be. Like, right. You know, I got bullied a lot when I was in school because, you know, even there was a point of time where I was very heavy and short and I got picked on a lot and being picked on so much. And then I got picked on even in high school, the fr- freshman year of high school, where when everything took place, where my, my parents got divorced, that's like, that was that, that breaking point where enough is enough. Now is my time to to rebel now, and get back. Right, now it's my time to-, to And then you grew. And then I grew. <laughs> then it just like a spur of moment. It just, boom, I grew. I had the size now. So before I was the one that was getting picked on, now yeah. I was picking on people yeah. right. and doing things and, um, so the rebellion caused me to get really deep into into the gang. Um, was that environment in the beginning like? like I know you, you before you were saying that you kind of already been like doing bad stuff mm-hmm. and all that. Was the environment like you were in were already was kind of already just it was already gangs in that area and stuff like that. And well, my parents did the best to like keep me out away. of trouble, but then when I got connected with these old friends, they lived in a more hood. 
yeah. neighborhood. Like the neighborhood that I was in wasn't as bad. Yeah. There was gangs in the area, but it wasn't as bad. But when I started hanging out with them, got- they were close to the Humble Park. And then, you know, it was like going back to the old stomping grounds when we were, when I was younger. I ended up going back to that same area and just got... And that's probably like when... that That's probably when things were good too, right? Mm-hmm. Back when you went back to that area where you stayed at? It was yeah. different. Um, And it was like more of you have that freedom. Like mom and dad ain't over your shoulder. Now you're, yeah. you're 14. You're on your own. Like you think... And then you're hanging out with older dudes. You know what I'm saying? They're older. They got... They got money, they got girls, you know, they're smoking weed, drinking, and it's just like this lifestyle that they're showing and they're riding around with guns and all that. And I'm like, man, like these dudes way older than me. Do you remember, like, like, do you have a story that you can share with us? Like something that was like... Like the first time where where it became really that, where that um, that adrenaline rush, like first time I was about close to hitting 15, it was around the time when the Bulls won. About 96, 97. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm too young. To yeah. <laughs> Around that time, 96, 97, the Chicago Bulls had won. And but this is when they won the playoffs or? The, the everything. everything championship. Oh, I think it was 96, right. I believe. I think it was 96. People are going to make fun of me about that, but or it's 90, okay. Or 97. It was around that time. Um, and the chief of the gang, he had a white uh, Chevy. Uh, I forgot. It was a white Chevy car sedan i forgot the the brand of it i'm young he's older than me i get in the car and i'm in the passenger side the car is white just decked out with black tints and got the sound in it whoa 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 whoa. you know it's humming and and right away he gives me the pistol first time i ever held a pistol in my life about 14 and a half 15 i got a pistol in my hand it's it's like I think it was a nine millimeter or forty five. It was a big pistol, you know what I'm saying. And at that time, I couldn't really identify it because it was dark. And he gives me the, the the gun, and he's all right, homie. This is what we're gonna do, shorty. We're gonna start riding around. We see anybody, you just gotta open this window. You gotta let it, let them have it. Anybody? He's like, where I tell you, he's that like pretty oh. much looking for somebody. He's like, all right, see if somebody. you see somebody, you gonna pull it out, and you gonna shoot it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm I'm sweating. I'm scared. Right. You know, as I ain't wow. never done this before. And he's like, you ever shot a gun before, little homie? And I'm like, nah, I never did it. He's like, it's easy, man. All I got to do is just point and shoot. He said, that's all you got to do. It's yeah. ready. All I got to just pull it out the window. I tell you to shoot, you shoot. Yeah. Aim and shoot. And I'm like, okay. But we're riding around. I'm scared. You know what I'm saying? You're, I'm a kid. Yeah. And I got you're, a gun in my hand. You're you know 14. I mean? 14 years good. old, trembling. I'm, I got cold sweats in this hot summer oh. day. And, and I'm thinking like, please... You know, at that time, even though I didn't know God, I'm still like pleading, like, please, if there's a guy, like, please, please help me help out. Help me. Don't Get let me this out happen. Situation. You know, yeah. feeling scared. You know what I'm saying? But we're riding around. Nothing happened. There was nobody to shoot or nobody around. So I'm like, I remember getting out of the car that day. And it was just like, I got more involved, more and more like involved. I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking a lot of like brandy irkin jerk they call it enj brandy i was drinking a lot of that stuff being so young just get starting to get intoxicated and then i caught my first case i got a pistol case when i was uh 15 16 i caught a pistol case i got caught with a gun and i was fairly new to the streets fairly new to the to being on the block walking around with the pistol and you know it was my time to do security you know and i was told if the cops come you gotta run 
My mistake was I cops came so young, I froze. <laughs> I didn't run. And they You're, came, the detectives grabbed me and, and locked got, me up for a up. pistol and took me to the juvenile center in, in Chicago on Roosevelt and Western, little Adi home they call it. And that's like that was my first taste of, of jail. Jail. First yeah. taste of being behind bars and uh, you know, being there with amongst other and teenagers. Even and, after that, like you you were still like in the lifestyle and Still, yeah, and I want to know like how yeah. deep did, did you get in it? You know, what the I mean? deep into the yeah, game, even like, to the uh, addictions and all these other lifestyles. As, as comes the, with it. the time passed, I, I end up getting out of jail. Um, I was about 16 now, and uh, I got deep, deep involved into the life. When my mother was like, If I don't take this kid out of here, they're gonna end up killing this kid on the street. So she ended up going to my body, calling my biological father. And telling him he my he lived in Puerto Rico. He calls she calls him and tells him you need to come get your son. Yeah. Because he's heavily involved in gangs and they're gonna kill him out here. That's getting so real. <laughs> he ended up coming out from Puerto Rico. Um at the time I was staying with one of the guys' houses, one of the one of the boys is to run with. And he came and picked me up and and I ended up living with him in Puerto Rico for a year. And I was out there in Puerto Rico, even though new surroundings, new settings, but mindset was the same. You know, I still had a destructive mindset, still had that gang infested mindset. Yeah. So I went over there and I had my little group and I started my own little gang in my own little in Puerto Rico. Uh, in, in Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico my own little little town we were from, you know, being uh in school over there and I I remember having a group of guys and I was starting to give them nicknames and all that. Dang. And, and my father found out that I was just doing, I was up to no good. You, you got out of that environment and you made your own, own environment, environment that and I was used to over that's there. That's crazy. He found, I was out there in Puerto Rico for a year and my, my dad found out about everything that I was doing. And from one day to another, he, uh, I remember I was at school. He goes to the school. He says, says bye to all, say bye to all your friends. You're going back to Chicago tomorrow. And then, Leaving that surrounding, leaving being in Puerto Rico now, coming back to Chicago a year later, that he literally had took me away from the gang that I was involved in. Yeah. And come to find out that they were looking for me because I have left. Yeah. They're like, so, where'd he go? Where'd he yeah. go and all that. So what was the turning point after all this? At that yeah. turning point, I ended up uh, leaving that gang and joining another gang because that gang um. wanted to do me wrong and uh, they wanted to they wanted to do some stuff to me. So... I was about 17, 18. I ended up joining another gang. And then that's where... What was the the original gang you were in? I'm not saying no names. You don't want to say? Nah, okay. I'm not going to... Come on. Specify <laughs> yeah. the, the gang hey. like, that I was in. Yo. Yo. Are, 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 are you a boy or a gang? Right? Right? I'm like... Yo, I'm he like, was going to set um, you up, bro. Who were you, bro? I'm like, yeah. uh, what, what gang? Uh, what area? <laughs> Can you tell me the, the colors you right, wore? Hold on, hold on. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Okay. What was the name of the leader? Yeah. So, no, I was... um. Uh, Since I ended up, my dad ended up grabbing me from there and taking me away for a whole year, you know, coming back to this place, you know, there was probably a lack of trust. And I kept hearing a bunch of negativity that they're going to do this, they're going to do that to you. It's best you don't go back there. But still having that same mindset, gang mindset, street mindset, I just started hanging out with another group of people. You got um, back to what you know. Got right back. But see, the thing is, as being young, my mom was always transferring me for, to different schools. So... From a young age, I was just going to different elementary schools. So I had friends in different areas. You know what I'm saying? So he was another group of friends from another school that I went to that was involved in another gang. 
and I end up joining that gang, and that's that gang that I got heavily, heavily involved in. Mm. Where that's where the and at the at this time you were how how old like seventeen, uh, eighteen, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. Um, I, I got heavily involved. Started doing way more drugs. Started uh, um, sniffing cocaine. That's where the cocaine addiction stepped in. It really took a hold of me. Um, I ended up being homeless. I was homeless about about four months, five months. I was living in the hood. Uh, you know, my mom now at the time now she has, she was with her new boyfriend, and they were about to get married and stuff. And I, I was rebellious. They were kind of just like moving on without yeah. you. Like, oh, was, she was doing her own thing. So yeah. I didn't want to stay in that environment. So I'm like, I'm gonna go do me. And I end up, you know, living in the neighborhood. Um, Oh. I, I had warrants out for my arrest. It was deep, man. I was like messed up, bro. Yeah. Would you say like to to like fifteen to what age? Like twenty one or that involved with the street life? Yeah, like you. Were... Oh man, fifteen to like twenty three. Oh yeah, so you you this it's all you. That knew, was basically. all I knew. All my teen, my young life from fourteen to twenty three years old was the streets. So how do you go from that lifestyle to becoming a pastor now? Oh man, yeah, that's what. I... Uh, that's what we. That's, that's what we're what, here that's for. That's what we want to hear. Yo, hey, you know stay what I'm tuned. We're episode six. <laughs> I could tell you deep about more stories, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I got more and more deep into the gangs. Um, I end up going. Uh, I caught a case. I end up going to prison. I was in prison for uh, counting, calling, counting. I've been. I was basically about three years. Oh, you were in prison for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So I was locked up in in the joint. Um, yeah, it was some rough times. That, I was gonna say that that's probably a whole story. That's a whole another story. But um, I got the taste of being in Cook County and finding the case, and then being sent off and stepping into Stateville Penitentiary and going there, and then being shipped off. I was shipped off to boot camp, and I was in boot camp for a few months, and then ended up getting out on parole. And I was out on parole. I messed up my parole. And then I ended up doing a whole year in prison because I messed up my parole time. So when I counted all the time that I did together, I was three years literally locked up. Like came out Damn. for maybe a couple of weeks and I was right back, back in. in. But getting away from all that, I did the time. I was in prison and all that. Um, I had met my wife before I went to prison. Um, and she was there for me. She would write me letters. Where, where, where did you meet her? Burger King. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yo, yo, I met big my, Q. my better half, my rib. I met her yo, at Burger King. Shout out. Shout out to Burger King over there at Six <laughs> Corners on Milwaukee. Milwaukee and every park, Burger King. That's where I met her. He was like, what you want? You want the Whopper? What you want? I was you actually, want me? I was the fry guy. I was I was SpongeBob, the, Sprite, oh, the fry there, guy. There cooking you up go. the fries, bro. You were in the back. Yeah, I was frying them things, man. And I seen her. and He was like, I I'll make them special for you. I got you. I got Extra, you. Estrasado. <laughs> He was, he was putting some time on those fries. Man, bro, it was like first love. You know, I seen her. I fell in love. Her cousin was working with me at, at Burger King. I said, man, who's that? She said, that's my cousin. Let's I introduced go. me. So I, I got introduced to her. And, you know, it took off from there. Um, but I was still involved in the street life or whatever. And uh, I ended up going to prison. And I get out of prison. She was there. You know what I'm saying? Was she in like street life too as well? Well, her whole family was. Uh-huh. And she was an, obviously in, in the other, op, she was in the opposition gang. Yeah. Wow. So when her family. <laughs> that's, that's tough, bro. It's like yes. a, dude, this Yo, is like yes. a story, man. Yeah. This is like a movie a right here, bro. You could write a book. You could make a movie of this. So for like family, you know, gatherings and stuff. 
Did, were you like, did you, bro, did you go? It, yeah, it was no. tough because it came a point where. Bro, my boy was in love. Yeah. Man. That's real love. Yes. That's when I was, love. you know, I got out of jail. Nervous. And then <laughs> he I was, was like, he was like, what's, uh, um, I gotta go. <laughs> when she, uh, when her family, when her cousins found out, like, what gang I was involved in, they pretty much came at me like, you do anything wrong to our cousin, we will get you. We got you. Yeah. And, uh, it was rough in the beginning. You know, because they was testing me out. They were going to see, you know, what's up with this dude. He's a whole, he's an opposition. He's part of another gang. You know, he ain't uh -huh. welcome here. <clears throat> so there was animosity in the beginning. And I remember there would be family parties. And then some of their boys would be there. You see somebody that's familiar that you know. And some like, of the boys like, would be there and they'll give me dirty looks. Like, look at this op, man. He's yeah. up here in our family party. He's up here. He's like, over here eating the tacos yeah. that my grandma made. <laughs> and, he, and they knew that I was an op. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But they wouldn't do anything because out of the respect they had for my wife and That's her crazy. cousins were like high-ranking members of the organization that they were from. Yeah. So they pretty much gave the word, like, don't do nothing to him. But, you know, I think God that it was God watching over me, even though before I knew God. Yeah. But um, it was also her mom, my mother-in-law, that had spoke up for me. She's like, no, my daughter's in love with him. Don't touch him. Leave him alone. Yeah, he's involved in that life. But I would assume that you were like... you. You're probably respectful and treating her right, and they probably she yeah, seen that at a time, at a yeah. point. But then when addiction gets a hold of you, yeah, and you, you, you pretty much a you person. get blinded. And yeah. since I was so addicted to the, the 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 cocaine and smoking weed every day and drinking, that was my that was my go to. Like that was first before her. So I would rather you know if I have to ditch you I'm to go, go get high, I'm go get drunk, you. I'm gonna yeah. ditch you. If I got to leave you here and leave you stranded with your family, which I did, there were some times I left her stranded, took her car and everything, disappeared for days. Wow. And, uh, you know, being, you know, in drug houses and, and nation cribs, getting high for days at a time where she was calling up the morgue, seeing if I was dead or alive and not knowing where I was at, not it's answering crazy. my phone or whatnot. But then, you know, her, her cousins put out an APB on me and they pretty much told her, like, we know where he's at. All you got to do is give us the green light and we'll take him out. And Dang. she's like, no, nah, don't do nothing to him. But long story short, you know, she kept like, she was. She like, was like your rock. She was there for you. Yeah. Me. And her grandma, which would love it to death, you know, may she rest in peace. She was the, she was the, the, the grandma, the Christian grandma of the family. You know what I mean? Like the whole family would go to her for prayer. Mm -hmm. And when I first met her grandma, it's like I seen Christ through her, even though I didn't know who God was, but through her. You know what I'm saying? She she sold this type of love that I hadn't received, you know, from a believer. That's and crazy. when I met her grandma, she told me straight up, she's like, God has a calling in your life. And she's like, you're going to be a pastor one day. You're going to be a preacher. And <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with this lady? Like, you know, I'm involved in the life that I'm in. And she's speaking life to me, this life that I never. She's like, you're, you're like, you, you know, do you understand what I was yeah, doing? Yeah, like and it's crazy because she had all her grandsons and her family and everything like it's all gang life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But seeing that all that, she seen something in me that I couldn't even see in myself. And she was prophesying in my life without me even realizing what she was doing. That's crazy. She was speaking life to me. But as the years passed, like her grandma will always show me love. And then she's like, no, mijo, you got to go to church. Like, mijo, get connected with God. And I don't want nothing to do with that. But my wife was always like going to church. And she told me straight up, you want to be with me? She said, I don't want to be with no game banger. Either you get your life together or, or we're done. Right. But it was after prison, when I got out of prison, 
I got more involved in the in the streets and whatnot. And then at the age of 22, she found a, a small church through her aunt. Her aunt, you know, she rest in peace. She passed away last year. Because of her aunt finding this church, she tells my wife, look, there's a church that I want you to go to. I um, need to check it out. So at that time, my wife and I had a little apartment in Elmwood Park in Chicago. It's like it's like the suburb, like it's borderline Chicago and Elmwood Park. The church wasn't too far away. We ended up going to the church. So you um, said you guys, you guys were living together? Yeah, we had okay. a little apartment. You had at the kids time, at did, the time? Yeah, I was going to no? say, did you like, have your first kid at the time? Yeah, or? that time now I was about 21. Okay. 21. That's when you had your first kid? Yeah. Yeah. My oldest, Sarita. My oldest was born. Um, But still at that time, still when you're so heavily involved in drugs, yeah, a part of you wants to change, but the other part is like, man, I want to leave this alone. I'm, I'm addicted. Like, this yeah. comes first before anything. But, you know, going, she started going to church, and I remember the pastor showing up to our apartment and having a little Bible study, and slowly but surely, you know, I will, I will show up at the church from time to time, but then I'll disappear, and I'll go back to the block. Yeah. But then my wife just kept being into it, being into it. And then where, where did the life transformation take place was yeah. um, where the pastor was telling me, you know, you're running from your calling. God is calling you to be a pastor. The same calling that your grandma that, spoke over your life. Right. My mother, my wife's grandma, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, she spoke into my life. Now I'm hearing another person. But it was it was crazy because even random people on the street, I remember being on the, at a bus stop one day at a CTA, and this random dude comes up to me. He says, preacher, how you doing, preacher? And I'm like this, like, what what That's is this? Crazy. Like, it was crazy to me because I'm like, I had never even gone to church like that. And this guy didn't know you at all. No, it was just a random dude that would tell. So it was like I had different encounters where God was literally using people to tell me that he had a purpose in my life. But I was ignoring the signs, you know. So when we ended up showing up to that church, it was, uh, yeah, I wasn't wasn't into it in the beginning, but my wife was more into it, more into it, right? And then I remember uh, coming home drunk one day. I was drunk as a skunk. And she had my bags packed at the door. And she pretty much told me, that's it. I want a divorce. I don't want nothing to do with you. We done. And uh, I'm drunk. And I don't know where she said, you know what? No. She started speaking to me and telling me, you're not going to be a drunk. I proclaim that you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a pastor one day. I wow. rebuke and I come against wow. that spirit of drunkenness right now. So she started like praying Preach. for me. Yeah. Dude, that drunkenness went away. I wasn't drunk no more. I was sober. And I looked at her like, all right, what they teaching you at that church? <laughs> like, He's you like, got some magic powers. Like, what is this? I was scared now because I wasn't drunk no more now. I'm like, no, I need to go to that church. I need to see what's going on there. So it just, That's now crazy. it took that point where I ended up going a little bit more and I started listening to the preacher, listening to the pastor. And, uh, you know, it just, it impacted me because I had never heard a pastor preach about God the way my old pastor had preached. It just, it grasped me. It, it caught my attention. I was like, man. I want more of this, you know what I'm saying? But um, he pretty much told me straight up, you're running from God, number one. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to come to church with a sign. If you don't give your life to Christ and you don't surrender, he said, I'm going to end up doing your funeral. When he told me that, I got shot two weeks later. Two weeks later. That was a sign. That was a sign. That was a sign. I got shot two weeks later, July 7, 2007, 777. God's perfect number. I got shot. Um, I remember. At 7 p.m. No, it was around two. It was around, just, that, would, that would be crazy. It was that, around that's, two. That would be too much. It was around two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, I was out there with the guys. 
and we got into it with um, some oppositions and, you know, whatever. They started shooting at us and I was in a van and long story short, I should have been dead right now. I shouldn't be alive. Bullets, the way they flew into that van, I should be long gone. But God spared me. He put his hand there. He protected me. But I got shot in my arm, which the bullet came in through my wrist bone and shattered my wrist bone in a million pieces. And uh, for so, so when that the when that happened, you were in the in the back of the car. You were in the front. Well, actually, I was in one of those old school Chevy vans. They call them the Chevy Twenties. I I think I know you're they're talking like, about. They're like conversion the gr- vans. They're usually the, like gray and stuff. They have like the doors that open on the side, like open up, not sliding doors, but they open. Uh Yeah. So they're older. You were in the back. I was in the middle. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you open the door, there's the front seat middle. And in the back, I was in the middle. So where you open the doors, that's where they started shooting at. And when the bullets came in, I felt a bullet hit my head. uh, And I felt the heat. I felt everything. But was it? Nothing. 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 I didn't have anything. I felt it. My head tucked back. I felt the heat. I felt everything. Wow. But there was nothing there. I got shot in my arm and my wrist and where it shattered my bone and everything. But being in that in that hospital room. Can you show me where you got shot? Right here. So the bullet bullet hole came in through here and came out came out through right here. And then I had another bullet casing stuck on my, my arm right here. So pretty much the bullet they think I was shot with it with a forty five with a four four and it shattered my wrist All bone that, completely. Yeah. Like the Damn. wrist bone was totally gone. So the surgeon pretty much told me, like, you're going to stay handicapped the rest of your life. So so do you remember what happened, though, like when you got shot like the yeah, afterwards? It hurt like crazy. It felt like I hit with a baseball bat. And it was like, you know, when your foot like falls asleep and you get calambre? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it felt like that. But like a lot of million, it. a bunch of needles on my arm. And it was oh. just like pain in it. It hurt like crazy. It felt like somebody was hitting me with a baseball bat. How, how hurt. And then, like, the blood was just gushing out. Like, it was just, like, the worst they, pain ever I experienced. After you got shot, did they take you to the hospital? Or yeah, you... we, we flew to the hospital because it was, a, it's crazy. There was seven of us inside of that van. Wow. <laughs> and they, the dudes that's a lot that, of sevens, right? Dude, and the dudes no. that, that, that got shot were dudes that, where God was getting their attention. Like, me, I was visiting the church, and the dude that was in front of me, he grew up in church. Wow. And he had walked away from God, from what I found out. Uh-huh. And I found out that he had walked away from God. He stopped going to church or whatever. And now he's he's in a wheelchair. He's wheelchair bound. From, but that, from, from that incident. From that incident. So the, And when everything happened, that was like the turning point. Like I was like, all right, cool. Like this pastor, my old pastor told me that I was going to come with a sign. Here's my sign. How I, bad How bad was it when you went to the, to the hospital? Oh, well, I had this device on my arm for like three months and... The device was just basically to keep my arm in place. place. And did they tell you that you were going to be able to no. fully function? They said no. that you were never be able to use your hand the, the surgeon told me, you're going to stay handicapped the rest of your life. You're wow. not going to be able to use your hand. So be ready to wow. be and without that, an arm. And that's your right hand. hand. That's my right hand. So I remember. And you're when, right-handed. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I remember telling the, the surgeon, like, all right, so I'm going to church a little bit more now. So I'm listening to what the preacher's saying. I'm listening to, you know, um, him, my, my old pastor speaking about this, uh, 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 healing and how the Lord does a work. And you know what I'm saying? So I'm hearing all this. Now I'm applying it. I'm speaking it in faith. I tell the doctor, the surgeon, I say, Hey man, you believe in miracles? And he's like, 
nah, I don't believe in miracles, man. And I'm like, well, I don't accept what you're telling me. You say I'm going to be handicapped for the rest of my life. I don't accept that. I believe that Christ is going to heal me. And that's when the preacher was born, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, no, that and was that, your first That was your first sermon right there. That was your first and, sermon, and, yeah. And now, look, your hand. You I hurt my it, hand. Man. I could use it. God healed me. God did the work. That's but crazy. it was just a whole journey of that experience. But then my oldest daughter, Sarita, was the the instrument that God used to help me to change my life. So my oldest you means have, a lot. Three, I got right? three. I got okay. my oldest, Sarita, then Ariana, and Maya. All three of them have a special uh, place in my heart. But there's something about Sarita that that was she was That's the tiny. first individual that God used, like my blood, my daughter, that that I realized I got to be there for her. I got to be a dad. I love my daughter to death. My daughter is like, it's my everything. All three yeah. of my daughters are my everything. And for her, it's like, I made a choice. Like, I want to be a dad. I want to be there for her. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to change my life. She was my motivation. She was my motivation to stop doing drugs. She was my motivation to stop drinking. Hey, she shout was, out to Sarita. Yes, yeah, Sarita out. Rivera. I love <laughs> you. Um, She was my motivation to get a job and become a man. And you know what? My pastor, Carlos Sanchez, much love for him. Um. I always remember everything that he taught me uh, uh, as a as a preacher and a pastor, shepherd. There was uh, some good things that he taught me that I've always carried in my life. He taught me how to how to man up and take care of my responsibilities and um, be a husband to especially, my wife. Especially when you have a kid, man. Yeah, so he spoke life into my life. Uh, there was some, a lot of good uh, positive moments where he influenced me in, in some good ways. I was going to, um, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to just touch on what you were saying at that time when you're in the hospital, did like God speak to you at all? Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I kept hearing the pastor's voice in my head. Like after, repeatedly? Yeah. Uh, like you're the sign, be a pastor, the yeah. sign in the past. Right. And then the police officer had came inside the, the hospital room and he said, you know where you were sitting at, you should have been dead right now. He said, I don't even know how you still alive. Wow. He said, there must be a God watching over you. And that's where I'm, I'm crying more now in that emergency room in that hospital, because I knew I'm like, what this the is, pastor was saying, it's true. It's yeah. actually happening. And here I am having this crazy experience now it's a turning point. Now it's a life. I got to make a, a turning point. I got to make a life change. It wasn't that easy that at that moment, my wife had gave me divorce papers. Like we were you not got, living together. You got shot. I got shot. I was, addiction. I was living with my stepdad. I was wow. addicted to, to cocaine, to drinking, to partying. And now, you know, I have a daughter that she was about a year, year and a half. And now I got all this on my plate. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to change? I how am I going to do this? Mo most people in that environment, man, they... Like you said, they either end up in jail or they, right. they end up dying. Yeah. And it's just crazy like that you got out of that. It, and it, you you basically defeated death. It's like, crazy. Honestly. I'm a, literally, I'm a dead man walking. I shouldn't be here. But it's by the grace of God that God saved my life and he gave me a chance. Man. I was going to say, <laughs> for anybody that's in that environment, how like what would you say, what advice would you give to somebody to get out of that? Um, that's like in the bad situations, gang life, and is trying to change your life. Well, no, you wait, 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 uh, <laughs> no, cause wait. You, you, no, because you cut him off too fast. Yeah, you cut him off too fast. There's a little less, less, a little bit more. Uh, I gotta oh, share a little bit more. Oh, you were already sorry, like, no, it's okay, Andrew. You're hey, doing good, listen, bro. Listen, we're, we're learning digging, right now. Guys. I'm digging them Brahma Bull headphones, bro. <laughs> yeah. The rock status right here. Hey, man, hey, I like those the headphones. Yes. 
Yes, hey, ep- bro. Hey, man, we're, we're, we're learning. You know what I'm saying? No, we it's only good. have five episodes, guys. It's all good, and it's going to get better, amen. And I know that this this uh, podcast is going to be a blessing for many. You know, whoever's going to hear this. I appreciate it's, that. It's, uh, hey, we're going to take that like a prophecy. It's going to be a blessing, <laughs> right? Because somebody does need to hear this. If it's just one person that needs to hear this story, that's what I said. God changed me to reach one or reach many. But whoever needs this, whoever needs to hear this, they need to hear it. That's so I, I have a question. So when you got your sign, right now what? What did she do with that? Changed over, um, made amends with my wife. It took a process. It took like maybe a year to restore our marriage. Um, to end up moving back with each other, uh, we end up moving back with the in-laws. It was a whole process, man. Yeah. A whole process. Started going more to church. I ended up leaving the city and I ended up moving to Mount Prospect. I lived in Mount Prospect for about four to five years. I got away from the city life, and I just yeah. said, you know, I was going to church in the city. Man, it was like almost every day going to church, but that was what God had to use to mold me into the man of God that I How am today. How far was the commute? Like 45? About 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And sometimes I would do it, you know, five, six times a a, a, a week. So when, when you went back... And you had your sign that you had a conversation with your pastor and you're like, yo, I want- yeah, um, I pretty much had my turning point was uh, December 31st, 2007. I had an hour. I had a, uh, a crazy encounter with God, uh, an experience where I experienced deliverance, uh-huh. deliverance from demonic forces. Um, I really don't talk about it, but I know what it is to be possessed by demons. I was possessed by demons. Um and it was a it was a New Year's Eve uh, service, and I felt I I fell out. I got demon possessed, and um, it's was this crazy experience. There was people there in the church, and my I started slithering on the ground like a snake, and it was just some crazy, crazy demonic experience that um, was the turning point where God set me free, and He allowed me to go through that to show me the intensity of how the devil is real and I demons was just are about to real. Say that. I was just about to say that people. People don't understand, man. The devil is real. Yeah. I was just about to say that when you were talking. It's and, crazy. And I experienced that dem- demonic manifestation where I can I heard those demons speaking through me and how they were given an assignment since I was a child was to take me out to kill me. Because wow. I remember I could still hear it, you know, that they had control of my body, but I didn't have control over them. And I could hear them speaking. And I remember to this day how they said we were given an assignment and our assignment is to kill him before he totally surrenders because too many were going to come to that name, which is wow. Jesus. Wow. And That's that crazy. was like my turning point. I got delivered. I got set free. Um, I started convulsing and throwing up and it was just a whole crazy experience. God delivered me on December 31st, 2007. That's when I said, I'm done. I'm not doing this no more. Turning point, surrender my life completely to Christ. And I just went full four from that. Is this a good time now to ask the question? Or it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right now. Right. Okay, let me ask it. Uh, Man, out so- of time? <laughs> no. Okay. No, That's no. powerful. But something that I want to clarify is that, you know, a lot of people over um, give the enemy too much power. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But you got to understand by in the name of Jesus, yeah. you were set free. I was set free. You were set free. So I just want to emphasize that there's power in the name of Jesus yes. and you will be set free. That's kind of a similar experience that I had Amen. too. Yeah. When I, I came just... to Christ and it was that it was me surrendering and saying the name of Jesus Amen. and then them uh, 
not being able to touch you. You know yes. what I'm saying? You, you have been sealed. And, um, and, I, was and gonna, I really want to emphasize that because sometimes we emphasize the power of these demonic things. But we got to emphasize that there's a name. And that name, my guy. This Jesus. That, that you know name. what I'm saying? There's legions, Jesus. an army yeah. that will flee at that name. And that's what really I want to emphasize because sometimes we over, you know, we we magnify sometimes the works of the enemy and how deep you were in the assignment that they had. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. one night, you know. God delivered me, yeah. Those people were, you know. Praying for me and casting it out, yeah. They blocked that assignment mm-hmm. from the enemy, you know. And after that was a life-changing experience. I was gonna say, man, that's that's crazy to think about what they were saying in like the Dominic, oh, the you know the devil working. I, I was telling him like how I was struggling about just the thoughts and just mm-hmm. thinking negatively and all that, and I was just thinking about um sometimes that's that's like that's a force on you. Yeah, that's a force trying to. It is real. Like you said, there's an assignment. They they mm-hmm. have an assignment. Very to organized. Try. Yeah. The devil is organized. He really He's is. a lieutenant. He has his soldiers. He has his sergeants. He, he's very organized organization. Just like the way gangs are organized and the army and every organization is organized. The devil is organized and he is patient and he will do everything in its in his power to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he has to take time, watch you, observe you strategize take his time he will do it because his main goal is to separate you from god but um here i am 16 years later um god has been a a blessing in my life jesus 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 has been um, i'm in love with jesus man uh he's i've been through so much just walking with him ups and downs um miracles i've seen before my eyes financial blessings that he's provided healing upon my 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 family, my daughter, my second daughter was, you know, when she was born, she was given only a 10% chance to live. She was literally dying in the hospital room and given not too much long to survive. And the Lord did a miracle in her life. And here she is 14 years old now. Um, just been through so much. Just getting, I just decided to get deep into the word. You know, I became a youth pastor after I got, about a year after I got saved. Then I started working with teenagers. I was a youth pastor for eight years. And those were the awesome moments in my life where I really got to connect with these young people and embrace them and love on them and giving the responsibility to, to, to watch over them and be their shepherd, which was helped me to mature in the, in the Lord, mature in the faith and really get in there in the word and learn to lead them. And then that opportunity came where here in Aurora, you know, just being, uh, being taught in our old church, you know, how to walk with God, how to, how to pray, how to fast, how to get in the word, how to have a relationship with him. That when times got tough and, you know, cause the devil raises up war, there's times to battle. And, and we were taught when battles come, you got to pray, you got to fast, you got to hit the enemy back. You can't you show the ready. enemy no weakness. You know what I'm saying? You got to be ready for it. And there's times where you have to be armored up and ready a lot to to be able to fight against them but there's moments where you experience peace and rest and god is right there es- with you especially with a story like yours yeah you know what i'm saying that that right there in itself anybody that that like you when you were 15 and you're that age speaking that story to that that young man can change mm-hmm. their life yeah because there there's a lot of people that probably have a similar story to you they can hear it and they're like Man, if this he could guy, do it, I could do exactly, it. Exactly. Like and this you guy can. got out of it. Yeah. And you can because Jesus don't he don't have no exception of people, man. He accepts whoever and wherever and what you're involved in. He doesn't care. All he wants is you. 
And if he has to drag you out from under a bridge, if he has to drag you out from a from a crack house, does he has to drag you out from a broken family or abusive relationship, whatever he has to do to rescue you, he's going to do it. Because when he has a plan and a purpose for you, he's going to do whatever he has to do to get your attention. Amen. And I, I'm glad that he got my attention. I'm glad that, you know, uh, I think about all the stuff that I've been through in my past. And I'm like, man, it was some very harsh, difficult moments. But I learned through those moments. And I'm so appreciative now of where I am now in my walk, in my faith, what God has blessed me with as position as a pastor in a restoration church here in Aurora. Um, I've been here for seven years. And it was an opportunity of pastoring youth for eight years. And then that opportunity opened up to come and just help a church just help bring sermons i didn't even know that they were looking for a pastor but uh, but, but, but god, god made a way you, god put you where he wanted you yeah and i was gonna i was gonna relate to like what you were saying um about your story like for for me growing up i i grew up like i had brothers that were in gangs and stuff like mm -hmm. that and for me i just learned from that yeah. like I, I would like see how they were and i'm like that's not how i'm supposed to be and you know what that's how my older my younger brother he um, was like that he's too. seen that i was so i was involved in uh, all this junk that I was in, my brother Edgar, and he pretty much told me like, man, he just seen the police coming to pick you up and surrounding the house and going through all this stuff and them handcuffing you and different times. He just didn't know, see that once. He's seen it multiple times. Um, and he's seen just how my life was just going down the drain. He told me straight up, it's because of you and seeing you, what you were involved in. He said, I didn't want to be like you. So that caused me to go into the military. He went into the military and here he just got promoted. He's a master sergeant in the Marines now. Wow. That's a high ranking Marine. That's way up there. But he's been in the Marines for almost almost 20 years now. That's crazy. But he told me straight up, like, you being involved in the stuff that you were involved in caused me to make a change. But when I guess when I first converted, he wasn't really into it. Like, nah, I don't think Manny's really real with this until years started passing. And then when I became a pastor in Aurora, that's when he's like, He's Man, like, bro, this is serious, this dog. This guy's like, serious. Yeah. Like, he started seeing is, the fruit of that. This is real, like, bro, this is real. And to God be the glory. Um, well, my sister passed away in 2017, and my stepdad that raised me passed away in 2018. And my brother was a lot, very close to God, very close to the whole spirituality thing. But then um, at when my father passed, um, my brother was going through a very tough time in his life, and I ended up driving to North Carolina because that's where he was stationed at. And I spent some time with him and I said, Lord, I said, bro, the Lord sent me over here to talk to you. And I just told him, I said, you're you're troubled, bro. You think you're going to die next? And just I just started telling him stuff that God was telling me. And my brother started crying. And he said, how, how do you know all this, bro? And I said, daddy, bro, like I'm connected to the Lord up there, bro. God talks, man. <laughs> He's just talking to you. Yep. And then he told me straight up something that really impacted me. He said, bro, how can you smile? And how can you laugh and be at peace when AJ is gone? That's my sister. Yeah. And when dad is gone, bro, he said, how can you even function? I said, bro, I'm hurting, bro. Like, I miss them. But I said, one thing you got to understand, AJ and dad, they're both believers, bro. They both gave their life to Christ. They know who Jesus is. I said, they're right now in the glory, bro. They're in paradise, dog. And this, God wants the same thing for you. But in order for you to enter into his kingdom you got to give your life to jesus bro but he ain't oh. gonna force himself into your life and my brother i remember man we were at the at the beach not too far away from where he where, where he stayed at and my brother accepted christ inside of our inside of my car uh and, and he's like man i want some of this jesus that you have bro and i said man jesus is free brother and my brother ended up giving his life to the lord so it took tragedies to take place but i know that my sister and my dad are in heaven 
but it took these two tragedies for my brother to give his life to Christ. And just how God works in so many different ways is amazing. All right, Joe, this would be a good question to ask. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Hey, I want to... Yeah, no, you're good, man. I just wanted to clarify. Like, I wasn't asking to cut you off. I feel bad now. No, 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 you're good. I got much love for you, brother. No, it's it's because the story was getting good, and you're like... like, So, uh, So, we're going to cut this off here. (laughs) What would you say? Yeah, yeah. What's your Uh, favorite color, Pastor? Yeah. So real quick, uh, where'd you? What was your first job again? <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about Burger King. Uh, no, but you were gonna you were gonna ask him something. Oh, I was gonna ask like for somebody that's that in that environment or uh-huh. in a bad situation similar to yourself, what advice would you give them to get out? Of well, it? first and foremost, if you're involved in a gang, um, look for a way to get out. You know, there's some organizations that they require you to get a violation out. Some you got to pay money. I was blessed and fortunate. To the point where I got to speak to one of the, the one of the main guys and I told him what was going on and I gave my life to the Lord and I'm starting to go to church and I want to get my life together. I want to be a dad to my daughter. I just told him the whole shebang, the whole situation and everything that I was doing. And he pretty much told me like, all right, bro, you're free to go. Just don't come back. You're trying to game bang. You come back trying to game bang. We're going to smash you and we're going to do something worse to you. So this is your green light to ride out. And if you decide to come back, then it's to come back to take the homies to church. But other than that, don't be trying to come over here trying to game bang. And that was my that was my green light. Like, okay, I'm done. So I made that I cut I made that decision. All right, I, I cut that tie. I cut people I cut people, places, and things in order to make a change in my life. So I got involved I like in that. the church. I cut people, places, and things. I moved out of the environment that I was in. Got into an environment that was gonna keep me away from temptation, but had me to really focus on. All right, I'm I'm married. I'm 24 years old. I got a year, uh, a year and a half old, old daughter. Got my wife. I got responsibilities. I got to step up. So my advice to those that are trying to make a change: do it. You can do it. The only person that can't make a change is you. It's by you telling yourself, "I can't do it." Yes, you can. So what do they got to cut again? People, places, and things. That's what I had to learn how to do. I had, I had to cut negative people out of my life. Yeah. I had to change my number. Your environment. My environment, people, places, and things. And and that's pretty much like if you ever go to NA meetings or AA meetings, there's some of the things that they talk about. You got to be able to know your surroundings and watch out for people, places, and things. And I've been to those type of meetings, so that's something that I grasped onto when I was in my faith. And I'm like, all right, I got to cut people, places, and things that's going to cause me to fall and stay around, surround myself around the positive things. And my, my routine was... Uh, uh, waking up in the morning, talking to God, praying, reading the word, going to work, coming back home from work, being at home, eating dinner, being with my wife and my daughter. And, and, and then when there was church days, going to church and it was a routine. So it was, uh, God, work, home, church, God, work, home, church. It's just like, it was clockwork. And yeah, I was young. It got a little boring, but once I started working in youth ministry, it's like, that was my motivation, and I had to change my whole lifestyle. Like, I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly now. I'm going to go 100 with this. I'm not going to go halfway. Not Like, if I was so stretched out and to the fullest on the streets and getting high and doing all that junk that I was involved in, I said, well, I'm going to turn this around, and I'm going to be full force for God. I don't want to be halfway in this. Yeah. Man, so so I, I have another question. So what would you tell someone that is, like, hopeless right now and can't find a way out, you know? Um can you talk a little bit about if you're, Jesus? Yes. You know? If you're hopeless, let me tell you something. God hears the cries of his people. 
even if you're deep, deep into sin. If you cry out to God from the depths of your heart, he will hear you. He will respond in one way or another. If he has to speak to you through a dream, he will do it. If he has to speak to you through an audible voice, he will do it. If he has to speak to you through, through your somebody. mother, yeah. through somebody, he will do it. If he has to allow a situation to take place, like with me getting shot, which opened up my eyes, if he has to do whatever it takes to get your attention, he's going to do it. Because I remember before the breaking point, there were some moments where I was so high out of my mind that I was high, but I was crying out to God. And I said, God, if you're there, like, do something, man. This is before I got shot. And and I didn't tell you guys, I got I OD'd on cocaine three times. Three different times I OD'd on cocaine. So it's just like I, I went through so much before the transformation, before the life-changing experience. But I remember in those times in my high times when I was so just high as a kite, crying out to God, like, where you at? If you real, like, show me you real. But then I used to argue with God and then be like, well, you're not there. Or then I should be like, man, but don't send me to hell, though. You know, so it was yeah. like a battle like, ah, you're not real. But then another part of me like, man, please don't let me die and go to hell, man. I don't want to wake up burning in flames. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that battle. It was that <laughs> before. It was that spiritual battle. Spiritual know? battle. But Jesus, man, when you let him like all he is doing, he's knocking at the door of your heart, man. He's like, yeah. let me in. And I'm telling you, once you let Christ in, your life will begin to change for the better. And the more and more you get connected with him in prayer, prayer is just communicating, talking to God, just talking to him, being real and just letting this junk out. There's just some things that you can't tell other people. The only people you the only person you can tell is him. All the yeah. hurt, maybe abuse and things that were done. Yeah, I give it to him. There's, I would say too, be patient. Yeah. Patient, patient. Cause like you said, you crying out to him and it wasn't your time. Right. And then that happened to you and it was like a turning point. So I would, yeah, like be patient and just wait. It's, and this is routine. You know, yeah. people, you got to stay away from people, places and things, so your surroundings, and then your devotional time. You got to literally take time out to spend with God. You got to pray. You got to read the word. You got to get connected. For those that don't have no hope, man, Jesus is your hope. Yeah. If God could change me, man, he could change anybody. And there's millions Across this whole world, that have made, really good. that have cried out to Jesus, and Jesus has changed them. That's what the that's battle. what happened. That's what happened to me. Amen. And um, yeah, I feel like if you're listening to this, you know, we also want to invite you to our church. We, me and Angel, actually go yes. to Restoration Church. Yeah, we Manny's do. actually our pastor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we just want to invite. It's you. It's an honor to be a pastor to these young bucks. Man, yeah, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm happy that we got you on, man. Hey, man, no, I'm, I'm, this is an honor, a privilege for me, man. I'm grateful. You for have it. a great story, and I really feel like. And there's like many more to it, but hey, so this tell us a little bit about your because you're starting a podcast as well. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, it's yeah. in the works. We, I'm but, in the uh, works. I'm praying on it and getting ready for it. So as soon as you you got the name and you're ready, let us know. So yes. we can shout you out and, of and course, get people of course. to listen to it. And then the podcast is uh, it's about making connections with people. And you guys are, believe it or not, you guys are inspiration to me. Just seeing you guys Man, do, do this. It's like now I'm actually sitting here in an actual podcast, seeing these brothers like launch out. And it's motivating to me like, man, this is awesome. You, you know, know what I'm saying? But this is just like the beginning of, there's so much you can do with this. Yeah. So much, so many people you can reach. And this, know, is and, a, and, this is the new thing now. Yeah, no, it is. And we just want to thank you too for like believing in us. Yeah. yeah and I was going to say, man, you don't know, you don't know how much that means to me. Cause like, Amen. this is like, I've been wanting to do this for so long and, and just to be an inspiration to, you know, 
to, to somebody like yourself to, to want to do that. It means a lot, man. And yeah, anybody man. that wants to start a podcast too, man, I would say do it. Do it. But Just only do it, it if you're speaking life to people. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be a purpose behind it. What's your message? Yeah. What you're trying to deliver? You know, is it is it jokes? Is it just it's just got to be topics that you guys are doing really good at. You're coming up with different topics, different questions. You're you're as I've been listening since uh, episode one till now is like, yeah, these guys are getting on point. And the yeah. more and more you get into it, the more and more you're gonna learn. The more and more. Let's it's let's be better. real though. Let's be real. In the beginning, right now, we were nervous. As soon as we saw Pastor walk through the door, <laughs> was I, was, I was I was double looking. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm I could sense everything the jittery, and I said, these brothers are nervous, yeah. man. Hi, uh, hey, Pastor. <laughs> but, uh, pastor, Pastor, he's here already. Oh yeah, man, yeah. no, but you guys, no, because you were here early. We yeah, said, uh, hey, yeah, Pastor, be here at four thirty. You were here at four, so I was like, uh, the room wasn't even set up. <laughs> exactly. Like I had to bring that plant from like the other room. <laughs> the whole setup. No, but you know these guys are uh, they're doing really well and I'm really inspired by this and I know this is going to be this is the beginning of many great things. And God what he's looking is for in Spanish is that está buscando personas que son atrevidas. Yeah. People that are just they launch out, they're not afraid, they're they're brave, courageous. And, and, and I was doing this is is out of act of bravery, being courageous. For real cuz I struggle like you guys don't understand. I struggled with that for a long time. A long time. Just But Jesus. People, yeah. Yeah. God really, man. God go. God God like God changed that in me. I was like, what 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 am I worried about? Like I wanna speak life to people, so why not do what God honestly I feel like God gives people gifts and talents to to um you know spread his word and encourage people. And I felt like I'm that the, the guy. Like he's like use use your gifts, speak yes. to people, speak life to people, encourage people. People need to hear other people's stories, and that's. And then and when I was thinking about you, I'm like the first person that me and David thought of. I was like pastor, because you're genuine. The first time I went to the church, man, I was like, <laughs> man, this guy is real, bro. And we oh, need man. people that are real. We need people that are gonna tell it how it is, and that are genuine and oh, and um. But they, they don't just talk, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Yeah. And that's something that you showed me, Pastor. It wasn't like you were just talking, you know. You would bring me uh, plates of food. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. He, he would come, like, we, we have a prayer meeting here every Monday. And he'd come, be like, here, my family cooked this for you. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then the next <laughs> that Monday, never was happened. like, yo, this thanks. I was like, oh, all right, thanks. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, you have been showing me, you know, love for me and my family and my friends. And we just want to thank you. Thank you again for being here. Oh, no problem. And I, I, I got to confess something. So that day we were at church with Angel, right? Uh-huh. They were passing the offering bucket, uh-huh. and he took $20. No, bro. Turn or burn, I, brother. I, turn or burn. I, I, told, I told Angel, I'm like, yo, why are you doing that? He's like, oh, man. Dad, it's daddy. He's giving me an allowance. He's giving me an allowance. I'm like, bro, it doesn't work He's like, like that, go ahead, bro. son. Take it out the offering hey, plate. It's hey, all good. Hey, hey son, I want to do PS5. I was I like, bro, it doesn't got... work like that. Hey, all I got to know, hey, all I got to say is that, how you think I got the new mics? You oh. know what I'm saying? Hey, thanks for watching. Stay tuned for episode six. <laughs> These guys are crazy. Pastor Manny, thank you for being here. No Appreciate problem. You, it's a man. blessing. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I'll catch so you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace out.
Papi.